Hello everyone and welcome to Middle Child Make Theatre, our new podcast about the nuts and bolts of making theatre and running a company. I'm Paul Smith, the Artistic Director, and every month I'll be chatting with one of our collaborators to get into the minutia of theatre, demystifying how theatre is made across all areas. Our first podcast guest is the award-winning writer and star of The Canary and the Crow, Daniel Ward. Dan, thanks for joining us. Hello, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, cool, man. Nice, nice thing you're doing. Nice to be the first guest. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited. How, how are you doing? How's how's things going? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Like, it's just the, it's like the first time the sun started shining, really, the past few days. And that's, that's really set the cat amongst the pigeons. It's nice, man. It's lovely. Um, but personally, I'm, I'm all right, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't complain at all. Great. Well, it's really good to hear from you. And um, looking forward to chatting about all things writing and acting. And um, we've got some great listener questions that we'll come to uh, a little bit later. But uh, yeah, honoured to have you as our first guest, man. And looking forward to getting started. Um, so to kick us off, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about how you got into theatre. Kind of stumbled into it a little bit, I guess. Um, I was at school. And when I was at school, there was no there was no drama lessons or drama classes so if you wanted to do drama it was like a separate club um and that went back to something like the 1970s when they wanted to do a production of like tis a pity she's a whore or something like that and then the the, the parents were like outraged or whatever so the drama department was like associated with the school um but it wasn't like a lesson or anything. Anyway, I was doing drama at school in this kind of drama department and I enjoyed it. And then they told me to go uh, to the National Youth Theatre. Um, and I didn't really know too much about National Youth Theatre, but I went. And at the National Youth Theatre, they kind of told me to go to drama school. Um, and I thought, yeah. It was at that point in my life when I didn't really have like a definite direction but I knew I really enjoyed acting I enjoyed theatre um and so I was just kind of going with my gut really um and I auditioned for drama school and yeah I got in got into Lambda and so yeah that was how I kind of started and just to to bookend um this this intro how, how would you describe where you're at in your career at this moment um I guess it's that horrible like word in it that emerging that kind of word where which kind of sums up they kind of use to sum up anybody <laughs> at any stage of their career but I don't really know how to yeah define that I was very fortunate with Canary and the Crow to um we picked up a lot of awards and it's opened up a lot of conversations and I'm talking to lots of different people about kind of projects um and there's lots of stuff on the table um but yeah it's not necessarily fully fully fledged yet <laughs> so i guess i'm yeah i'm emerging but i i don't like that word i really don't because i kind of feel like it's a bit of a buzzword and it kind of they use it for <laughs> you at any stage of your career apart yeah yeah when do you when do you stop emerging and <laughs> yeah I when know. have you emerged <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know but i guess yeah that's what i'd be and where are you at in terms of, um, how do you define yourself at the moment as, as a writer, as an actor, as a bit of both? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I just, yeah, I say I'm an actor and a writer. Um, I don't think I ever change that. I think I always say that. Yeah. Great. Well, um, if, if, if we can just start by sort of zooming into 
the writing aspect of what you do and then um, we'll, we'll come sort of round later and talk a bit more about acting but um, if we can just start with with writing um, I'm just interested to, to, to kick us off um, why do you write? I think for me writing's a bit of a compulsion it's a bit of um, a, a, a way for me to process things that I'm thinking or feeling or seeing um, and to put it into a form that's entertaining um, you know you see stuff that goes on in the world and then you go okay I want to write something um, there's always a reason why I write something and some of those times sometimes those reasons are kind of really grand and noble and sometimes they're just like I just want to chill out I just want to laugh I just want to um, I just want to have fun which are um, in some ways I guess just as grand and noble as like the more kind of traditionally worthy like <laughs> ideas because people need to chill out man people need to laugh people have to, need to have fun um so I kind of write to process the way I feel about things and the way I feel at the moment and the way I feel about the world that's what I'd say and having trained as an actor has that compulsion grown or changed or was that was that always there and did you have to suppress that as an actor I think it's slightly different. I don't think I ever suppressed it as an actor. I think um, as an actor, you are off. You you intuit other people's stories as best you can, and as a writer, you tell the stories as best you can. <laughs> um, I because I think even when I was um, acting, I was always writing things here and there, even if um what I wasn't doing was finishing stuff. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing. But, you know, I was starting stories and then putting them down. And I always had kind of ideas about, yeah, stuff that was interesting to me. So I, I guess, yeah, I never really suppressed anything because I was doing both um, all the time, even if kind of like, you know, no one was really paying attention to the writing bit. Like I was always kind of, yeah, messing about with it. Yeah, I'm interested in, uh, obviously with this podcast, we're, we're trying to really kind of zoom in and, and talk about the kind of nitty gritty of, of what it is to, to do these things that we do within theatre. So mm. I wonder if you could just talk us through actually in sort of quite a lot of detail what your process is. Um, and I guess maybe the opening question within that is, you know, where do you start and, and what does a, what does a day writing look like? Um, that's dependent on a number of things I guess if we're talking about where do I start if we're talking about an original idea um like straight off the bat it starts with a compulsion and I and I always start with the question why um and it's simply like why am I writing this and like I said <laughs> those whys can be like I want to have fun I want to chill out and then, you know, that's what I want for other people. I want people to have fun. Or it can be like, my why can be because, I don't know, the government said that there's no institutional racism in the UK in a report and I want to address it. Like, do you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it could be, it could be, it could be something like that or something like that. But there's always a reason that makes me want to kind of, 
start a story and an impetus um to to go um and some of those are quite yeah like i said some of them are quite more serious than others in whatever whatever context that means anyway but um if i've already um got that story if i've already started it then it just becomes about yeah i guess discipline but really not it's just like i, I quite enjoy getting those thoughts out creatively and then the why informs the how that's what i'd say i think about why i'm doing it and then how and are you someone who does a lot of planning or do you do you follow that compulsion instinctively that's what i mean it's all in for like i think that's entirely subjective down to the project like those two examples that i just gave right if i seriously was gonna write a piece and I'm, I'm only talking about the uk's institutional it literally came out yesterday i don't know when this podcast is going to be on but so it's it's in the it's in the world at the moment but um if i was going to sit down and think oh i want to creatively explore a response to that then i would have to sit down and really read it um really understand what they've said and then understand how i would make a creative response to it um i know why i'm doing it because i don't agree with it but um yeah but if i'm thinking um do you know i just want to chill out and vibe and like why do i want to chill out and vibe and then how you know um that can be a more more um instinctive approach based on an exploration of form an exploration of the way i want people to feel when they come into the space the way i want um yeah the audience to feel during the piece you know um and then i can go with that without a definitive kind of structure or story or like no without a definitive structure without a lot of research without a lot of prep if i'm talking about something that's kind of you know a real solid thing then that also informs my process i guess i can't just you know I can't, if I'm writing about something that's like solid, I can't just make it up. I have to know what I'm talking about. Can you just paint a picture for us? So, you know, you've got a day's writing ahead. Um, what does that look like? Where do you, where does that happen? What's, what's in the background? Is it quiet? Is it noisy? Can you just paint a bit of a picture for like what, what actually the active work of writing is for you? Yeah, um, it's okay. I'll sit down on my computer. And I'll open up the thing that I'm going to open up. And then I'll start. And then I'll get distracted. And then I'll go and make a sandwich. And then I'll think about the thing that I'm trying to work on. Then I'll come back. Then I'll get distracted again by something on my phone. And then I'll sit down. Mess about for a bit. Think more. And then start. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is... Like, for me, like, I never, like, stuff like that, I say that kind of flippantly, but stuff like that is is important because I really, I really think about what I'm doing. Now, when I actually get into it, like, I can, I can just, when I actually kind of get into writing something, I can, I can just go. 
um, I can just keep on writing it. Um, like I said, for me, writing's a bit of a compulsion. Kind of when I understand my characters, when I know who they are, when I know why they're saying what they're saying, why they're feeling what they're feeling, I can I can really kind of yeah yeah write that. That's quite easy. Often the start is the hardest thing for me, mm. but I think like I think that it's that's it's about who you are as a person as well i know um richard gad i've heard richard gad talk about the way that he writes um uh on a similar podcast where he was saying like he he gets up and he starts writing at nine in the morning and he finishes writing at 5 p.m because he thinks you know if most people can do a nine to five um then so can he and i think that's an incredible way to do, but I know that doesn't, I know that wouldn't work for me. Mm. Like, you know, like something, in my, like I couldn't sit down for eight hours and write, um, um, like in one space, I need to kind of break up the day for me a little bit. I need to kind of do other things, but even when I'm doing other things, um, I still think about the story or where it's at or, also, I get influences from outside of the computer screen. Um, stuff triggers thoughts from outside, from the, the world triggers thoughts. So I quite like looking out into the world to see what's going on um, and to engage with it in order to inform my art. And and can you force yourself to write? If you've, you know, say say it's Sunday night and you think, right, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to, I've got the deadline approaching on Friday, I'm going to smash it out, I'm going to get there and then you wake up and you're not feeling it like are you able to sort of force yourself into that place or is it for you is it about the the, the mood being right and just sort of um that that kind of natural feeling of being able to write no 100% 100% I'm able to like at the end of the day like it's still a job you know what I mean and um there if deadlines are due sometimes you have to you know stuff stuff happens in life you know um you can't, you still have to do your job. Um, and so, and like, I can, I can absolutely say I've got a deadline. I need to, I need to sit down and I need to go right. And then I can just focus. Sometimes those, those, when I, when I do that, when I've got a deadline approaching and I get more focused and I don't get up and procrastinate and, you know, cause you know, like anything, I think I want the stuff that I do to be good. I really care about the stuff that I write. So I have to take the time to do it properly. Um, and so, yeah, I think, yeah, I just I just focus and I go with it um, if I have to. And just on that question of, you know, I want it to be good. Um, mm. How do you know when it's good? When you're, when you're sat there writing and you're on your own in that space, can you tell when it's good and, and, and what helps you to make that judgment? If I'm laughing along, <laughs> if I'm like oh yeah this is funny uh but then yeah I think that's the work of writing I think first of all it's not gonna be good <laughs> this is like this is one of the things that people kind of say like don't put too much pressure on yourself for that first draft to be good it will be rubbish get through it and I do believe that in a lot of ways like you just write, right? Just write what you have to. Don't put too much pressure on yourself for it to be perfect because when you finished it, then you can really go back and really um, 
start kind of breaking it down and stuff um and like i think it's just really focusing on for me that question again like why why is the character saying something why is this scene important like you have to know why a scene exists you have to know why people are saying something you have to know what the stakes are how you represent that doesn't always have to be kind of really obvious like and i i give this example because uh, it's quite an easily accessible one if you know your character has a problem you know with alcohol or whatever you don't need to say i have a problem with alcohol you can just have them have quite a few drinks throughout your production do you know what i mean it's that kind of thing um but i think you know it's good when you can when it kind of flows a bit when one thing goes into another when it feels kind of smooth when and um that's the point at which you need other people to come in and say nah 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 it's not good <laughs> that's the point at which you need other people to come in and go yeah no this bit is not good this bit whatever yeah and and is that early process quite um solo for you or or will you include friends family your partner will will people sort of outside of you know the industry for example see some of this early stuff or hear some of these early ideas i think um yeah they'll hear the early ideas but they'll never really see the early work or hear like stuff that's that i've written read out but they'll definitely um hear the early ideas like they'll be like this is what i'm writing about but I kind of think when I, I kind of sit in the room and I kind of bang it out and then at the point at which it's kind of finished, that's when people kind of hear it. But again, you know, all of this stuff is subjective, you know. I'm sure that there's people that kind of write something and then go to their partners and, and read it out loud and stuff. But I know, yeah, yeah, my girlfriend, she'd just be like, no, I'm she works you know what I mean? like, <laughs> she, she wants she don't want to yeah she, she don't want to come back and listen to my ramblings i'm sure so and and so when is the point that you share um even you know with the industry when do you send your work to somebody when do you say this is ready for someone else to look at now i think that depends on who you're sending it to a little bit like if it's for a competition or whatever sometimes you feel like that's got to be uh, in a place that's maybe more advanced than if um, you're just sending it to your mates, you know what I mean? Like, um, so for me, those are slightly two different things. Like, if I've read it like two, I don't know, a hundred times, whatever, um, and then I kind of feel like, you know, because you can always adjust things constantly, but you kind of get to a place where you're kind of like, yeah, the adjustments are less and less and you kind of feel like, yeah, we can we can run with this. Then you can kind of send it out to, you know, your first point of calls or, or if you're comfortable enough in, in, in your idea and you're comfortable enough in your script, send it into that kind of literary manager or competition or call out or whatever it is that, you know, that that we think could be a good fit for the story that you're trying to tell. 
and and when you you know when you finally do send that to let's say you've you've submitted your first draft how, mm. how does that feel like what's your um what's your overriding feeling when you've clicked that send button it's an interesting question i don't know i don't really dwell on it i really don't like um i think i have um a reaction when i like hear it for like the first time out loud and stuff like that and i think i have a reaction when yeah if you know if something gets staged or put on I'll, i definitely have a reaction to it but when i kind of submit it i kind of feel like boom it's there it's done like and i just let it go um and wait for the world to see you know world to come back to me on it but i don't um yeah, I don't dwell on that on that on that send button really. And and then I guess the next the next phase of that with theatre is often that then somebody will send you some thoughts and <laughs> send you some opinions. And mm. um, could you talk a bit about about what that's like to sit and create something uh, that you know comes from your head and you put onto some pages and then suddenly to have have these notes? How how does that notes process feel? Um, it feels good if it's good. Um, I think often it's kind of I like first of all I like <laughs> I like cuts and I like I'm a bit weird I like concision like in my writing so if there's something that can be said in a few words that I've overwritten I'm always happy for those kind of notes sometimes um and dramatological advice about kind of structure and stuff and story beats and stuff is always always welcome i think you know people have a really hard jobs when it comes to kind of writing and feedback and i appreciate it i appreciate the time and effort and people kind of put in i think everybody's going but also i think everybody's always gonna have preferences and biases towards the work work that they like and if i'm presenting something that kind of goes against a traditional type of form or a traditional kind of um, structure or I don't know, like um, one of the, one of the um, issues I had with Canary when I was sending it out was people were telling me that it was too short, but I was trying to tell them there's so much music in this and you haven't allowed the space for the music. And if you, if, if you it, the music would make it a, a lot longer so people are looking at you know word count rather than but i planned certain bits in the in the play to to have song with it so i knew that they were longer than the word count if that makes sense um so i think that was one of the you know one of the slight barriers i had with that but it's 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 being open and really appreciating that advice but also understanding that sometimes people might not get your world view um especially if you're talking about something that's very specific and so it's a it's a balancing act definitely because you have to really take and listen and intuit that kind of advice but also some people might not just might not get what you've done and there are so many examples of you know fantastic work that has taken a, so long to put on and so many people didn't get it and you know i think um the queen's gambit that was on netflix took 30 years or something like that mm -hmm. um so there's so many examples of that and i think like kind of navigating that 
a skill that you have to kind of learn. Is that something that you feel empowered within that process to agree with notes, disagree with notes, take some on board and leave some behind? Like generally, do you feel like, you know, you're able to be empowered within your response to that, to notes? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And for me, it goes right back to what I said, which was, I know why I'm writing it. <laughs> like, I know why I'm writing it. I know who I'm writing it for. So if, you know, if a note kind of doesn't kind of get that, then I can, I can go, okay, that's fine. You don't get that, <laughs> you know? Um, and I try and be as specific as I can to the world that I'm writing about and the world I'm serving. So if that world isn't accessible to um, the person giving me feedback um, and they don't get it, that's fine too. Do you know what I mean? Like, But I know why I'm doing it and I know the people that I, I want to... Um, are gonna are gonna get it do you know what i mean like if if i'm writing something about hole and i write i don't know a line about chip spice you know what i mean like someone in london ain't gonna they ain't gonna bang for them <laughs> do you know what i mean like but whereas here people, it's gonna yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's gonna fly you know that line yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah. and it's kind of understanding that do you know what i mean like it's kind of understanding you know someone in london's gonna go oh i don't know whatever that is do you know what I mean? And but knowing that your audience and who you're writing for is gonna gonna feel that. And Morley's was the, uh, the yeah 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 yeah. Morley's was in thing. So that's uh, Morley's was in <laughs> Canary. I had so many people coming up to me because it's because Canary's um, it's it's set quite deliberately that there's not very many very specific references, and one of the only ones is Morley's. Um, so people really grabbed onto that. Yeah. I remember people running up to you afterwards and, oh my God, you mentioned Morley's. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. And and then, um, I mean, what's that redrafting process like? So you've shared it with the world. You've you've got some thoughts and some opinions to take or leave. And then what's, mm. what's it like to sit back down again with that same document and uh, a bit of time and a, and a bit more input in between? What's, what, how do you find the redrafting process and how do you do that? Cool, man. I find it cool. I really do. Um, I like I like cutting I like concision like I said I like like I like that's the kind of work part of it you know because once you've written the first draft um, and that's the, that's 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 kind of quite hard for me to get to that end then it's just about kind of like really chipping away and finessing and you know writing even if I have to write a whole you know new scene or whatever the story's there and it's just about really trying to make that the best it can be. I quite enjoy redrafting, to be honest. And then just sort of taking us through this kind of chronological journey of being a writer and how it sort of develops. At some point you have to get in the room with a creative team, a production team and a cast of actors. Um, mm. How is that experience as a writer? I think it's always different. I think it can be um, exciting. It can be, if I'm not sure about something, it can, you know, make me nervous. You know, it can, um, I can't, I, like, if I really care about something, but I'm, I'm well, actually, I, I kind of really care about everything I write. So, like, 
I don't know. I'm worried. Like, it can be like worried about if people get it or not. But also, it's really nice to have a piece of work performed in front of people, and for it to kind of resonate with them in different ways. Um, and it's really nice to hear work out loud because, yeah, when you're just, like I said, when you're like writing something and you're chuckling away in your room, I don't know if it's really funny because, you know, I think I'm funny. But that don't mean the world does. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. like these jokes that I'm, you know, putting in here and there, they might not bang. So it's nice sometimes when, you know, yeah, hear that response. And one of the first things that we sort of tend to do in this kind of strange ritual in theatre is that we all sit around a table and we uh, we read it and we hear it for the first time out loud together. Um, how do you feel about read-throughs as a writer? Like, is that a stressful experience or a fun one? Or are you sitting making notes? Oh, 100%. I'm like, well, that's a... Like, as as, as the read-through is going on, I'm always like, how the hell did I write that line? Well, that's way too... Like, I kind of like... As it's going on, I see all the typos. I see all the, like, um, the lines that don't need to be there and stuff. And But it's an enjoyable experience. It really is. Like I said, like the story, as long as the story's there, the work is the kind of redrafting and uh, and like, I don't know, making it like really sharp and really, um, yeah, clear. Um, but I do enjoy a read through. But yeah, I'm definitely one of these people that will be like, if I have my laptop, I'll be like going through it and making notes as I go or like changing the not necessarily changing the script like properly but like yeah as I go and um taking Canary as an example you then stayed in that room as an actor and as a writer and what's that like balancing those two things how do you perform your own work and still keep a clear head on what is and isn't working textually versus kind of from an actor's point of view it's an interesting question um to be honest, like one of the things about Canary was I've kind of spoken about this previously, but even when I came to you, I wasn't sure I wanted to act in it because I wasn't sure I could um, do that because I'd never done it before. I'd never written something and I really wanted like I, I really wanted the story to work. So I really wanted. I guess I didn't really care about. If it was me telling a story, I'd rather have. Have it told really well. So I'd rather like really focus on like the writing and making it great. Really focus, you know what I mean? Anyway, I just didn't know if I could juggle that. Um, but it was actually all right. It was actually all right. It is slightly having two heads, but it's also not because I don't know. Canary was just a process of play and it was a collaborative process. And it's kind of understanding um what your roles are in any given moment um and sometimes on canary <laughs> um like actors would look to me to kind of say you know what does this mean and sometimes like what do i mean by that what does this mean but not like what does the word mean but like what does it mean in terms of my character or how should i be playing or stuff like that and i never answer i just be like i don't know because I think even if you've got an, got an answer in your head when you were writing it, you have to allow people to play and stuff like that. 
acting in your own work, you also have to allow yourself the opportunity to rediscover it and play with it and be open to um, working it in a different way than you could have imagined. Like there was that bit in Canary that never made it where you made me run for like 10 minutes on the spot. <laughs> um, and I was like, I never saw, but it was, it, it works. You just go with it. You play, you know what I mean? And you're open to all of those things. And I really enjoyed the rehearsal process for Canary a lot. A, re a lot. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it was really interesting actually like working with you as a director on that piece, but seeing how you did shapeshift between someone who, you know, one minute was focusing on how do I deliver this and then the next minute, how do I note that speech I just gave from a writer's point of view to myself and then how do I support the other actors who know that this is my story but who I'm also sharing a stage with and, you know, I thought you really navigated that really openly and generously but I can imagine at times for you that must have been quite tiring. Um, it never got tiring, weirdly. Nah, it was, it was, it was, I think, I don't know, like Canary is an exception, maybe an exception but it just was such a fun, enjoyable process like, um like yeah i just think i yeah and i think it was like and then you just have to be open and I, oh yeah i'll never i'll never forget that 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 moment when you were like that i had like a whole speech um and i love it now but like i had like a whole little speech and you were like mm, you could probably just say that in a nod <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yeah, probably could. But I love stuff like that. I really do. Because at the end of the day, like, it's about, I think, everybody working towards trying to make something as best as it possibly can be. Um, and in that regard, setting aside your own kind of, like, idea or, you know, ego or whatever it is in order to serve the story as best you can and in order to serve yeah the world as best you can and then i guess the final vital component is the audience and um what's that like when you first get previews you first you first get into your first productions with, a, with an actual audience encountering the work for the first time how stressful is that as a writer how do you how do you get through that um i find that exciting again like i think i think it's a bit like that send button i've done all the work um I've done all the work and I know who I'm trying to reach and I know why I'm telling this story. So I just hope that it reaches the people I'm trying to reach. I hope it resonates with the people that it's supposed to resonate with. I don't, I like, I like um, audiences coming in and hearing a story. And I like, yeah, I like that whole thing. I like that whole thing. Um, I'm, I'm less nervous about audiences coming in than I am like maybe about first read throughs or like first days in rehearsal rooms because the work's already been done. You've done everything you can. Obviously you can still change stuff in pre previews. Like even if, I don't know, the first preview, like stuff doesn't hit or stuff doesn't, you have the opportunity to change it or amend it or, and go again. Like, so I always find it quite an exciting moment of interaction. Like, let's go, let's see what's gonna happen. And let's see if it, you see what we have to do, you know? <clears throat>
just slightly shift the spotlight towards your acting career and, and um, your role as an actor. And then we'll come back and do some listener questions, quite a lot of which touch on writing. Um, I'm interested, first of all, like, um, how did you become an actor and, and what does being an actor mean to you? Like, what, what is being an actor? Oh, gosh, what is being an actor? Being an actor is um, a job, first and foremost. Um, being an actor is um, getting people's words and finding a character that serves the piece as best it can and serves you as best it can. Um, the reason why I said it's a job, first of all, is because I think sometimes with being an actor, um, it can become an all-encompassing thing. But I think being an actor is, is a part of who a person is. It isn't everything about a person. I think that's a really important um, thing that to understand as an actor in term for longevity in this industry um i think that's the thing that a lot of kind of younger actors sometimes get um confused about or i don't know like they put like everything is about being an actor you know and if everything is about being an actor and everything you do is about being an actor then you kind of sometimes miss the opportunity to inform yourself as a human, inform yourself as a person, do stuff outside of acting that actually will probably help inform your craft. And just, uh, again, in the spirit of this podcast, just to sort of drill down on some of the specifics and the detail of being an actor, um, mm. could you talk us through a bit about what you do before you get in a room? So let's say you've got a job, you've been sent the script. What, what are the things that you need to have done before you get to that first day of rehearsals? Yeah, um, I think that that's subjective, again, based on the job. But for me, um, I need to know who that person is. I need to know who that character is. I need to know why they're there. Um, and I really mean that, why they're there in that moment, at that time, doing that thing. Um, and then when we get into rehearsals, we can really interrogate those things, interrogate those ideas. Um, and maybe, you know, you know, a director will present you with a different um, idea of why they're there, what they're doing, how they're doing it. And then you explore that or whatever, like, but I have to kind of fundamentally really understand the play and the world. And if I'm going into a world, I have to have done my research on the world. I have to know the people in that world. I have to kind of know the like color, the flavors, the taste of that world. That I, I, I think like sensory stuff is quite useful for me um, in terms of the way that I think. So yeah, how that world feels and stuff um, and how that character feels. But I say that, I say that those things are going to be challenged in the room and you're going to explore things in different ways. So it's a balancing act for me. Um, and then, you know, off book, on book and all that kind of stuff is entirely dependent on the process, the director, the thing. If I, if, if nobody, if nobody's like prescribed that stuff, I prefer to kind of 
know my lines and be off book, but sometimes people don't like that. So kind of, I'm kind of open to whatever process is going to be done in the room. And and what are rehearsals for you? What are you what are you doing during rehearsals? What is it that you're trying to gather? You are trying to make the best piece of work you can. Um, you're trying to serve the play as best you can. You're trying to serve the world as best you can. I think those things are very similar in terms of, I think everyone's end goal is kind of the same, like the alt, whatever, super objective, whatever it is, is just to make the best piece of work that you can. And does it, for you, does it feel closer to like trading or is it, um, is it closer to performance? Is it closer to rehearsal? Like where does it sit for you? Where, how much are you pushing yourself? How much are you just getting the building blocks ready to finally unleash when you get in front of an audience? What's the purpose? Oh no, like I, I go for it in the rehearsal room. <laughs> I I really do. Like I don't, but then I know that some people, like I go for it in the rehearsal room and then like I'll make choices and I'll play and stuff. Some of those stuff won't bang some of those and we'll go again. But, um, but because I think psychologically what happens when an audience is in the space anyway, is that you find extra um, naturally because it becomes a, a, a dialogue. You know what I mean? Like an audience always is going to bring more energy to you. Yeah, that's what I'd say. On the show day, like I think we've spoken a bit about audiences and how it feels to come to terms with an audience. But mm. could you maybe just talk us through like what you do on a show day? It's something I'm always fascinated with with footballers. Like what are they doing before the big match? And, mm. um, you know, what are you doing? What are you eating? When are you waking up? What are you? What gets you in the best place to do the best performance you can on the actual day of the show? I do life stuff in the morning and that can be as boring as, you know, washing up, <laughs> doing your clothes, whatever. I do life stuff in the morning, but then I will, if a show's starting at 7.30, I probably, I'll make my way to the area um, in the afternoon, um, get something to eat, um, Depended on call time and stuff, obviously. Get something to eat. Um, because I don't eat after shows. So I'll get something to eat kind of like 5.30, um, 6-ish. Um, I'll eat, I'll chill out. I'll go over any notes that have been given. Um, yeah, I really don't have a set routine. Like, I'd like to say, like, you know, I take it easy and I meditate and stuff like that, but I don't. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I have stuff in the day that I have to get on with. Like, I'll, sometimes you'll have a meeting in the day, um, but you just have to give yourself the time and space to get into the zone. And however much time and space that is, is entirely dependent on the person. Some people will need four hours. For me, I probably need maybe two, and then I can go. Just before we come to some of the uh, listener questions, um, I just wanted to get... Um hear a little bit from you about reviews and criticism um and i guess this is both as a writer and as an actor mm -hmm. um how do you deal with that do you do you read reviews and then how do you deal with the impact of those on your performance and on how you feel about your work both mm. positive and negative i read all of them i think they're really important i think critics have um a tough job um and i appreciate them actually and I don't, and I think some people don't, I think some people like, I know this is 
what I what I'm saying is a bit weird for for some people because some people hate reviews and stuff like that. Um, but even if somebody comes and gives my work like one or two stars or whatever, like I I read the reasons why, um, and I really kind of understand it. And sometimes it's simply like your worldview isn't the same as mine. You don't get this. <laughs> like I think I understand also that critics you know you see are gonna have subjective tastes um and a piece of art isn't necessarily going to resonate with everybody if you ask me to write a review on a death metal metal concert tomorrow i, I don't know what i'm gonna write because it's not my it's not my artistic it's not what i'm into do you know what i mean like kind of understanding that a little bit is is where my head's at i kind of really understand that like i don't expect everybody to constantly get everything and work all my work and I, so I don't taste it. I don't take it personally. I really don't, because I'm like, okay, cool. Um, if there's something that's like really missed the point or really kind of triggering or whatever, I think that's a reflection on the critic more than more than me. I'm not gonna waste like too much time or energy kind of fighting that. <laughs> like I'm just like, okay, cool. You really don't get this. And again, it goes back to that thing. Like I'm saying. I know why I'm writing these plays. I know why I'm telling the stories that I want to tell and I know who they're for. And sometimes critics are not the people that they are for. So we'll push on to some listener questions which uh, deal with both writing and acting. Uh, so thanks so much for everyone that got in touch. And um, if you have any questions for future podcasts, you can uh, email us on ideas at middlechildtheatre.co.uk. Uh, and please do also send suggestions for who you'd like us to chat to. Um, but with that bit of admin out of the way, Dan, uh, I'm just going to fire some of these listener questions at you. Boom. Um, first of all, from Douglas Deans, who says, uh, any advice for anyone wanting to write or make gig theatre? Yeah. Know what the gig is know the scale know what the what gig theater means to you and know why you're writing it is this a gig like i don't know a headline gig at glastonbury is this a gig like um a, a dirty pub in a greasy spoon somewhere down in i don't know in town is this like a, or is this like a, is this like a comedy club kind of vibe? Is this, know your gig, know your vibe, know why that particular format and um, know that that element of the, of the story is not an add-on. It's something that's inherent to why you're telling this story. Uh, I think sometimes for me when gig theatre is bad is when, it just feels like they've written a play and then that slapped on like the, the gig theatre element as an afterthought. And for me, it kind of has to be an inherent part of the whole process. Brilliant. Uh, the next one comes from Yasmin Beck, who says, I'm an actor and writer, but one of the things I struggle with most is writing for myself. Do you have any sort of process that you go through in order to do this? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, apart for yourself, I guess that's what she means. Mm -hmm. Um I look at the story that I want to tell, like what's what's important to you as a person um, and why is it important? And then I tell that story. 
Um, and it really is as simple as that because I don't know what what's important to Yasmin in the world at the moment. So I want to. I think it's about presenting um, a worldview of something that's important, as something that's going to resonate with you and resonate with others. Do you know what I mean? Let me tell you something. I love theatre for challenging my worldview so many times and introducing me to different worldviews. That's what I'd say. Like, go with what what um what's important to you, what will resonate with you, and what is that story, and then try and incorporate that into your work. Great, thank you. Uh, and uh, on a sort of similar theme from uh, Lana Wallace Taylor, as a theatre maker who writes and acts, have you ever worried about the sometimes negative industry perception of doing both, especially at the same time? No, I don't care about that, man. I really don't. Like, I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I think. I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm really comfortable in what, what I'm doing. I, I don't really worry about industry perception. I've, I never, I never really give any thought to it because who is it that I'm, who is it that I'm worrying about for that question? Do you know what I mean? Who is this industry that I'm worrying about? As long as the stuff that I'm doing is resonating with my audiences and resonating with the people that I, that I want it to resonate with. That's enough, man. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't worry about them. I don't worry about the industry, as it were. I really don't. Great. Um, next one's from Joseph Long. Um, how do we create more opportunities for theatre makers who are LGBTQ+, plus, uh, people of colour, northern, working class people? Often opportunities are mostly available only if you're white, middle class and live in London. How do we welcome those who don't feel like they fit into that theatre scene? There's two ways, isn't it, for me? you change the structures that exist already or you make new ones. And Middle Child's an example of that for me. Uh, Middle Child as it exists now, it's a fantastic theatre company doing incredible things, but it kind of, I knew it at its inception and it was kind of born of that. <laughs> like, why are people not telling these stories? You know what I mean? Like, going up there and trying to make specific stories specific to whole and stuff like that. So, and then, you know, that can turn into something. I think... I think you write the stories, first of all. You write those stories that are resonant to those communities, LGBTQ+, people of colour, northern, lower working class. You write those stories because they matter. How to tell them? You either tell them yourself, you find people who are prepared to tell those stories in those communities already. Because I really think theatres should be serving their communities, right? So... Or you go to those structures that traditionally haven't told those stories and you make your story so good that they have to tell it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like... Thank you. And then um, the final uh, listener question is from Joe Beckett. Uh, with regards to writing gig theatre, what's the process of writing the music? Do you write the script and leave gaps for a place for a piece of music or do you write the music first and write around that? I think some uh, a combination of both. Sometimes I know the feeling of the music and so even if I don't know what the song is exactly because I'm not a, I'm not I don't write kind of music I, I know the feel so sometimes I'll leave the space for that feel but also like I kind of write I kind of find it hard to differentiate sometimes because I kind of write the words and to music and I write musicality into the language so something could be spoken, something could be rapped, something could be sung. Sometimes it's inherent in text. Sometimes I do leave a little bit of a gap to explore a musical feel. Um, I don't think I often write the music 
first actually because I don't write music yeah so I don't I don't write the music first yeah yeah, I remember one of the first um, versions of Canary that I saw had lots of real-world references in it, like songs that yeah. already existed, and that was actually really useful, wasn't it? As like a starting point of the kind yeah, of flavour yeah, yeah. of each scene and the style of each scene. Each So in The Canary and the Crow, it's divided into tracks, like it works like a concept album, and each track, like, I don't know, The Lesson of IT had about four or five real-life songs that um, I listened to or in, like or gave a feel in a certain bit or yeah. So there's, that's how I kind of came about it. And then I kind of left space to kind of, yeah, put those, put the, put the lyrics to that kind of song or explore it musically in another way. Great. Thank you. And um, thanks so much for all those brilliant questions. And as I say, please do get in touch uh, for future episodes with future questions. And if you've got any other suggestions of who you'd like us to chat to, uh, then just drop us an email um, on ideas at middlechildtheatre.co.uk. Uh, Dan, the final thing um, that I'm going to ask you is something that we're looking to do with every single guest we have on, uh, and we're just going to play one of those Desert Island-style games uh, without stealing anyone's copyright, um, and just ask you that if you could only save three pieces of art, um, what what are you holding on to? Oh, what a question. Um, oh, yeah, man. Um, well, what is art, you know? uh for me uh football is art so i'm saving a, i'm i know it's that's cheating but i'm i'm saying i'm taking that with me Hang on, right? you're saving all football ever <laughs> <laughs> i'm saying the stuff that people do on the field that's art um okay so you're I saving the sport of football uh, i'm saving the entire this is a my yeah i'm saving the entire sport great of football it was either that um, or Hamlet, right? So, <laughs> nah, man, Hamlet's in a bin. Um, Hamlet's not one of my three. Um, <laughs> I didn't think it would but... be. <laughs> I'm gonna say, that... <clears throat> um, I am going to save Eskimo by Wiley because I think it's uh, a track that started an entire generation of kids with music. Uh, grime kids and stuff like that which i think was one of the tracks on the on that original canary script we were talking yeah, about yeah 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 and ecstasy functions on the low was one of the originals as well it's, it's a toss-up between those two people will probably know ecstasy functions on a low better from stormzy sharp isn't that's the background track um and then the last thing that i'm saving so i've done football which is a hack i accept that <laughs> i'm gonna save goggle box wow <laughs> I had like in my head I had some thoughts about where you might take this and Gogglebox yeah. was not on my radar. Why, how come yeah. Gogglebox? I think Gogglebox is the most I don't it's the most pure like thing when it comes to like human interaction and stuff. And in lockdown and stuff, it was a real barometer of the state of the nation and it was such a like I used to I just really I loved it more than stuff that i <laughs> i loved it so much i don't know when people when you know boris was coming out of his press conferences and some of them and he was talking nonsense and it felt a bit like is 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 he really saying the things he's saying or whatever and like that dominic cummins thing or whatever like to see their reactions from Gogglebox, i was like 
they get it. Like that's we're all feeling the same way. No matter what your political allegiances are, whatever they are, you can tell when somebody's chatting rubbish, right? Um, so I'm gonna say Gogglebox. Didn't know I was. I didn't know I was gonna go there. Um, but I did, and I'm and I'm happy with it. Yeah, I I'm love it. There's Gogglebox. a there's a balance there. So you've saved football, the entire yeah. sport, the and entire the history sport. of. Uh, yeah. You've saved uh, Eskimo by Wiley, and you've yeah. saved Gogglebox. Brilliant. Yeah. What a world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I can live in that world. Yeah. <laughs> Just Eskimo on repeat while watching the match and uh, see what people thought of that match on Gogglebox because yeah, nothing yeah. else exists. <laughs> I think I can live in that world, man. Brilliant. I think I can live in that world. All right. Well, um, great to chat to you, man. And uh, thanks so much for being so generous with your time and with your responses to those questions. Uh, no stress, bro. Yeah, my dog is... I just waited till now to start howling and barking. Yeah, so, I can hear him. Yeah, he's, he's done pretty well. He's lasted the whole interview, so uh, he's just saying goodbye to everybody. Um, but thanks, Dan. Thanks for being our first guest, and um, that was that was great. And uh, yeah, really good to catch up with you, man. Yeah, dope. Talk soon, bro. Nice one. Thanks so much, and thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we'll be back next month with another incredible guest. So uh, please do get your suggestions and questions uh, into us on ideas at middlechildtheatre.co.uk, and keep an eye on our social media channels for announcement of who's coming up next. Uh, thanks very much and take care. <coughs>